Hello and welcome to this week's Thursday Top 5. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. We don't really have a specific art-related update this week, so we thought we would just give some personal updates. Yesterday, Anna and I ventured out of our comfort zone and we walked on the East River. It was super interesting. We we have a lot of friends who run on the East River. Mm -hmm. And so we thought like, oh, we should check it out and go for a walk there and like walk to Soho. Okay, no, the walk to Soho part was not part of the original plan. It just kind of happened because the East River is... You, there are not as many exits back onto like mainland Manhattan as there are from like Hudson. Yeah. When you walk on the Hudson River, like off mm-hmm. of the West Side Highway, you can actually exit every five blocks. Yeah. And it's super open, so nice. There's a bike lane, there's there a are, walking like, Five path. different lanes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. There's like two lanes for bikes and like. I, I don't even know how to describe it. There's just like actually so many lanes. And it's like So actually, it feels like so, so detached from like the highway. Yeah, like from it's West so nice highway. to walk. It's like one of our favorite things yes. to do. We like to walk and get coffee in the West Village and then walk back on the river. Mm-hmm. So we thought this would just be like the perfect activity. Yes. And there's so many piers on the mm-hmm. like West Side that are so nice. And you can like and like there are a lot of like schools there even like mm-hmm. little kids playing. Yeah. Um, there is even like city winery a coffee shop what else there's an art installation right now and obviously like um the little island thing just opened right so it's just like a very scenic very beautiful Mm -hmm. walk I tried to tell someone it was called the little island and they didn't believe me they were like it's not that little I guess it's not, but like, but it it's is. not, but that is what it's called. Yes. But, um, the East river, it basically looks like you are entering. A well, first person. of all, we enter through a gas station. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Where there's on like, 23rd street, there's a man and he's like, where are you going? Where are you going? And we're like, we're just trying to walk. And he's like, no, you can't <laughs> enter here. So we're standing in the middle of a gas station on the river. On FDR drive. <laughs> and we have to cross the freeway yes. to go down another few blocks before we can even enter the path and then as if this is not already traumatic enough um there's this like really really narrow part where it says people on bikes should dismount because there is literally you can't even walk like two people at a like no on, and like, there are people coming both, both directions exactly but these people on bikes don't think it's okay to dismount so they're literally just like about to run us over there are men screaming at us that we should um, move out of the way well we're and we're also literally on the freeway like yeah. on the highway yeah the, you can literally if you extend your arm you can basically touch a car <laughs> so it's just like insane um so that part of the walk was awful it was but so then, stressful as soon as you hit like lower manhattan i'd say like where the east village like the level of the east village mm-hmm. it's like beautiful the most and Paige beautiful. was like are we in london right now because <laughs> you're walking on the river and you see the bridges to yeah Brooklyn. you see like all of the it's actually really cool like we saw all of our favorite places in williamsburg from the other side including the apartment that we, we toured yes and um you can and like some restaurants and you can also just kind of see or domino park too mm-hmm. but it's like very cool because you can see like the ferry stop and we never knew like where the ferry takes you well, we've so only now we really like, seen the ferry from the Williamsburg end, yeah. and we're like oh should we take it but we never knew where it dropped you off in Manhattan so now we know and we, maybe our next adventure I've never been on a ferry oh, I, I like have. that like oh I've never been a ferry in New York yeah 
But anyways, that was a very, very exciting day we had. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we'll ever do that walk again because we did end up in Soho. I don't see it for us if I'm being honest, but I'm so glad we did it. And also another thing is when you like leave Hudson River, like mm-hmm. the thing, you enter the West Village, which is which is like, in my opinion, the most beautiful part of Manhattan. Right. Or meatpacking. Yes. Which is also so nice. Like you're uh-huh. right by the Whitney. Yeah. Or, like, even, like, Hudson Yards. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All of the, like, cool things. When you leave the East River, we were, like, under the Williamsburg Bridge. And Paige and I were, like, talking. And we couldn't hear each other because it's, like, you're walking under the subway that crosses Manhattan. (laughs) It was just, like, awful. So... But we had some tacos at Los Kino, which is like one of our favorite places. Amazing, as usual. Um, but the walk, all, you're just so far from Soho still when you oh, get yeah. down. Like you, you have, have to, to cross the entire so Lower East Side. <laughs> and we're seeing like traffic jams. People are honking at us. It was terrifying. Yeah, so that's our personal update. I also got vaccinated fully now. So that's also a fun personal update. What else is new with us? I'm going to LA in a few weeks. Yeah, that's So that exciting. should be exciting. Um, Anna's birthday is coming up. That's also true. My parents are coming to see me, mm-hmm. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> They're also here to drop off my brother at summer camp. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Anyways, if you want more personal updates, let us know. <laughs> We're very open. <laughs> but I think we should just get into the news. Yes. Our first headline of the week comes to us from Artnet News, where it was reported that, quote, a marble skull displayed for centuries at a German castle turns out to be the work of Bernini, researchers have discovered. So a life-size marble skull that has for centuries sat in plain sight at a German castle turns out to actually be the work of artist Bernini. So this skull, sculpted from white Carrara marble, was on display at Scholz Pilnitz, a palace south of Dresden until curator Claudia Krisa Gersh had it sent to the state art collections of Dresden for restoration. Restorers apparently were joking about the origins of the work because when it arrived, it previously had only been stated that it was of Roman provenance and they were like, oh, it's by Bernini. But then the joke turned out to be reality. Yeah, that's crazy. But the skull went on view under the artist's name for the first time earlier this week in Quote, Bernini, The Pope and Death, an exhibition at the State Art Collections. So to give a little bit of background, now that they know more about this skull, just days after being appointed in 1655, Alexander VII commissioned Bernini to make both the marble skull and a lead sarcophagus. Although it's a little morbid, the objects were meant to live on the Pope's desk, being the skull, and then the sarcophagus was made for underneath his bed as like a reminder of death. It's crazy. And then following Alexander VII's death in 1667, the skull remained in the Pope's family collection until 1728 when it was purchased along a trove of 164 other antique sculptures and four contemporary artworks by Augustus the Strong, which is how it ended up in Dresden. Right, because that doesn't really make sense if you think about it. And then also included in the current exhibition, which is so cool, is a portrait of Alexander VII from 1655 to 56. And in the portrait, he's shown with his hand atop of the skull. And the portrait itself was actually painted by one of Bernini's pupils. Yeah, that's crazy. I love that. I love how sometimes like attribution doesn't happen until like so much later. Yeah. And like how people like joke about things like this and they turn out to be true. But I think we both love Bernini. We talk mm-hmm. a lot a lot about Villa Bergese yes. and um 
Rome and how much we love the sculptures that are right. there. Um, so I'm really curious to like like understand yeah. more about this. And- I also think it really speaks to this idea that at the time Bernini was just a sculptor. Yes. Whereas now something being by Bernini is so significant no, exactly. and it gets lost in translation over so many years and then it's like rediscovered. It's like a brand new masterpiece, which is just so exciting. Yeah, it is. And it's now so valuable too. So valuable. Like- and if you look at the skull, the marble work, it does have that Bernini feeling where yeah. it's so smooth and so perfect. Like mm-hmm. there are so few sculptures that have that. I also was going through my camera roll the other day and I like thought it was so interesting. I, I found all my pictures from Rome mm-hmm. and I think it's so interesting how well they photograph like all these yes. Bernini sculptures. Like you can basically like, it's like seeing the texture like in person. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And like, honestly, he was like so insane at, what he did there's nothing like no it literally is crazy like the ones where you can like see the hands like touching something Mm -hmm. it actually feels like it's like touching like fabric yeah it's incredible headline number two comes to us from artnet news where it was reported that quote the prado is installing replica works by goya el greco and other old masters from its collection all over madrid Through a project titled Just Around the Corner, exact replicas of masterpieces from the Prado Museum have been installed behind tree branches, inside airport security stations, on the sides of buildings, and along iron fences. This is so crazy, but yeah, like the project is intended to alter the daily life of citizens by displaying works in unexpected clothes and just surprising places yeah and it's part of actually a larger series of initiatives that really aims to bring art outside of the museum through like a series of interventions that I think it's speaks to this idea that like people who live in cities don't always know what's inside of the museums because Mm -hmm. you tag them as like tourist attractions and unless you're like super interested in art you might not think it's like a place you visit so I think it's so amazing that they're taking artwork like outside of the museum and letting people know what there is I agree and like we obviously included a link to the like initiative in the episode descriptions and we encourage everyone to take a look because it's so so cool and so unique yeah, and one of my favorites was the one that was in the airport. Yeah. Because seeing the work, like, with a rope in an airport security, it feels, like, so out of place. Yeah. I actually, when I was um, going to get vaccinated, I saw the new, because I got vaccinated at Javits Center, which is in Hudson Yards, and I saw the new um, Highline thing that we talked about mm-hmm. with the drone and like, yes. yes, and I first was shocked that it was not Simone's work anymore, but it actually looks really, really cool, and there were a lot of people that were very confused looking at oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, we talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I think like seeing art in just random places in art that can be like like a contrast of like modern with mm-hmm. like the city or like, yeah, I don't know. It just like always catches people's attentions and like in a way educates like everyone because you might like you said, you might see it walking down the street and then become interested in like what is inside of the museum. Mm-hmm. It also almost reminds me of the works from the Frick being moved to the Met Royer. It's yeah. like seeing these like ornate frames and the work mm-hmm. just so out of context. Is yeah. Really draws attention to the work itself. I also just remembered a few months ago, we talked about it on the podcast. Um, There were like coffee shops in LA that were also. Yes. yes. It was part of a show. I think it was through the Hammer Museum. Yes, it was. Just like putting up artwork in random coffee shops and like seeing how people react to these works when they're out of context. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very cool. Yeah. We love it. I hope they do something like that in New York. That would be exciting. Yes. 
Headline number three comes to us from Art News, where it was reported that, quote, Gucci sells NFT inspired by latest collections at Christie's because we couldn't do an episode without an NFT headline. It's so sad. (laughs) As major brands continue to look to the market for NFTs, Italian fashion label Gucci is auctioning off a newly minted NFT inspired by its fall winter 2021 collection in an online auction hosted by Christie's. The NFT draws from Aria, a four-minute film produced by filmmaker Floria Sigismondi and Gucci's creative director Alessandro Michele to accompany a runway show. And the work is offered as part of Proof of Sovereignty, a Christie's curated NFT sale that began May 25th and remains open for bidding until today. The current bid for the Gucci NFT as of Wednesday afternoon is $20,000. Proceeds from the sale will be donated to UNICEF USA to support the nonprofit's COVAX initiative, which supports global access to COVID-19 vaccines, which is obviously so important. Yes, I kind of respect the sale, this NFT sale, just because of like the You have to support the charitable initiative. But in the text about the work, Christie's describes its mix of, um, quote, dreamlike landscape and effort effervescent energy as representative of Gucci and the NFT is formed as a three channel video playing on a loop to me like this is what an NFT should be I agree because it's not like it's an actual video like it's not right just like and it was something. already a work of art in a in digital it, format exactly. so it makes so much sense not like making the Mona Lisa an NFT no it's but not a Botticelli no exactly Since the beginning of this year, Christie's has been at the forefront of auction houses facilitating the sale of NFTs, which had previously been sold without such intermediaries. The house's sale of Beeple's every day, the first 5,000 days, which you might remember we talked about a lot, sold for $69 million in March and was an unprecedented landmark that made Beeple the third most expensive living artist. Yeah, and something that we talked about last week is that the house teamed up with Andy Warhol Foundation to stage an NFT sale comprising little-known digital artworks recovered from Warhol's 1980s-era Amiga 1000 computer. We posted it on the Instagram. Yes. I saw another post earlier today that Christie's made and the comments on the post were out of control. Like people were being so critical. I just couldn't. Yeah. Like so fighting it out in the I comments. I went to see. So this morning I got an email from Christie's like, mm-hmm. you know, just like the normal newsletter. Yeah. And so I clicked on it, obviously. Uh, <laughs> obviously. And I was reading it. And I was curious to see how the sale had done. So I had only seen the work that we posted on Instagram because, like, frankly, I wasn't interested, so I didn't click on the sale. But I was curious to see how much everything sold for. Mm -hmm. There was a Campbell Soup NFT that was so ugly, in my opinion. And it sold for, like, I think over a million dollars. And it's just, like, who who bought that and it doesn't even look like a Warhol it looks like something I could have done like you know that colors are very off it's black black. yes yes it's so bad it's very strange anyways yeah but I think we're ready to move on to our next story yes our fourth headline is brought to us by New York Daily News where it was reported that quote re-owned graffiti artist sues NYPD for painting over his street art A well-known graffiti artist is suing the NYPD for painting over his mural, arguing that the police department's recent citywide cleanup mission, quote, 
endangers hundreds of valuable, recognized, and permitted artworks. Yes. So Michael McLear, who is 51 years old and also goes by Michael Cavis, filed his lawsuit as a class action asking that other street artists join him in his battle against the paint police. And in his lawsuit, him and his lawyer said, quote, using an undiscerning eye and an obtuse brush the untrained crew went out to blot out art from the street canvases as a result the city and nypd have permanently destroyed valuable and recognized artwork and trampled on the reputation and rights of artists so the suit focuses on an nypd campaign that began in march of 2021 in which the cops partnered with community residents to paint over graffiti across the city almost like a clean up the city effort The campaign was set to begin April 10th, and that very day, the 84th Precinct posted a tweet showing officers and civilians painting over McLear's Death from Above mural at 115th York Street in Brooklyn. Yeah, so McLear argues that he actually had permission for this mural and that it was featured in the Daily News in 2014, and it depicted his mother and sister who were both killed in a hit-and-run incident in the 1990s. So the mural had been there for over 13 years. That's crazy. Yes. The suit says that the destruction of the approved murals constitutes a violation of artist free speech and demands monetary damages from the police department. Yeah, uh, this story is like super crazy because I like understand that Mm -hmm. like I do believe he had permission and I there's nothing anyone can do now. Like he's not going to. That's what's so sad. Exactly. Like it's too late now, but he should definitely get compensation or something. But it's just like there is not much you can do at this point right like once it's been painted over yeah. are they gonna let him paint I over also, that yeah I also think another issue is there is a clear distinction between like murals that are like very significant and mm-hmm. like clearly like an artist made them versus like graffiti that's like done on like the on, like storefronts or things like that and I understand that the police want to like clean up the city mm-hmm. and um all of that and they should but why over a mural and not like those like ugly things that are like I agree. It's like there's a line between street art and graffiti. And if it's a mural or it's serving a greater purpose, Mm -hmm. does that like, should that be included in this larger campaign to like clean up the city? Because the graffiti everywhere is gross. I agree. But also oftentimes these like mural things are signed like I don't mm-hmm. doubt that it was signed by this artist I'm sure it was signed especially so, if it was exactly. allowed to be there so exactly so how did the police just decide it was done it's like someone didn't like it and they were exactly. like not this one so sad it's also basically the opposite of the story we talked about last week about the Vatican yes. artwork being turned into a stamp mm-hmm. this is like street art being eliminated <laughs> instead of disseminated Uh our fifth and final story comes from art news where it was reported that quote french heiress ends year-long legal battle over nazi looted pizarro painting a french heiress has given up her legal battle to reclaim a camille pizarro painting looted from her parents by the nazis leon meyer said that in a statement on tuesday that she had quote no choice but to abandon her year-long effort to donate the small canvas to the musée d'orsay in paris where it is currently on display so ownership of the 1886 painting titled shepherdess bringing in the sheep has been transferred to the university of oklahoma in norman where it had been exhibited up until 2017 the university the university's foundation said it did not intend to retain title of the painting long term and that it will ensure that the Pizarro is placed in a French public institution or 
the U.S. Art Embassies program run by the Department of State, which basically rotates the painting. Yeah, and I learned a lot about title in my art law class. Mm -hmm. And you can't in the U.S. pass good title of a work if you didn't yourself purchase it like correctly, which is like the issue with all the Nazi artwork. Yeah, that's really sad though because like it's not her fault that she doesn't have rightful ownership of it. Right. Or that Oklahoma, it was gifted to them. Mm -hmm. But Meyer, a survivor of the Holocaust, first discovered the painting in 2012 in the collection of the University of Oklahoma, which had been gifted the work in 2000. After a three-year-long negotiation period, Meyer and the university agreed in 2016 that the work would return to France where it would be exhibited for five years, then rotate every three years between the university and a French institution. And then at the end of the five-year term, uh, Meyer contested the contract and attempted to gift the work to Museo d'Orsay. And then the French Museum refused a donation, citing the insurance risks of a perpetual loan agreement. Meyer has described the retrieval of the painting as a quest dedicated to her mother, grandmother, and older brother who died at Auschwitz. After the war, she was adopted from a Paris orphanage by Yvonne and Raoul Meyer. And the couple's art collection, which also included a Picasso, a Renoir, a Bernard, and other things, was stolen from their bank vault during Nazi occupation of Paris. And then her adopted father attempted to recover the Pissarro from a Swiss dealer in 1953, but the claim was rebuffed. Meyer said in a statement on Tuesday, some will regret this perpetual rotation and others will celebrate it, but the students of the University of Oklahoma will remember that this work belonged to the Meyers and that it was pillaged by the Nazis in France in 1941. It's truly so sad. It's just a sad story end yeah to a story. and she like had to give up like there was no solution that she could come up with that would um be okay yeah i think also what's so sad is so much nazi looted art doesn't get discovered or it doesn't get found and it just lives in perpetuity like at with, these museums yes. and the fact that she discovered it and was actively trying for so long it's so crazy when you're doing provenance research if there are any gaps you have to like like between 1930 and like 1954 or something like that. You have to like dig Mm -hmm. to find out where it was during those years. And like so many times you can't. Yeah. And that's why people won't purchase those works. Right, because no one wants to get into this type of situation. No, it's it's very messy and very sad. But I think that's it for the five news of the day. That's it. But we cannot leave you without some emerging news. This week coming to us from Forbes where it was announced that quote, Frank Lloyd Wright designed home near Chicago up for auction starting at $1.2 million. Wild. The John O'Carr house designed by Frank Lloyd Wright in 1950 is now available for auction with $1.2 million as the suggested opening bid, which is very different from a sale price as we all know. (laughs) So it is located in a picturesque three acre lot in Glenview, Illinois. The four-bed, three-and-a-half bath home is a sign in Wright's signature style with fluidity between indoor and outdoor living. Prior to being listed in 2020, the house was never listed publicly and only transferred ownership once when it was purchased in 1965 by architect Edward Bush from the original owner, John O'Carr. And Bush added three additions to the home in 1981 in an an attempt to increase living space. He meticulously adhered to Wright's blueprints and material choices to create seamless transitions between the updates and the original design. 
It's so interesting because so often these like historical homes are actually unlivable. Yeah. So it's so fortunate that it was purchased by someone who was so dedicated to keeping to in mind rights like ethos. Yeah. I agree. It's just also crazy because as like years go on, a lot of things like start to like need updates. Mm-hmm. Just like to I be, mean, it's like, a home. You know, it breaks a down. gas pipeline. <laughs> We're still suffering with our gas. In case anyone was curious, yeah, it's it's been a month since <laughs> since we lost gas, <laughs> so that's really sad. Um, but yeah, that's it. We'll for sure be following up on this story. It's a really great one. I'm really curious to see how much it sells for I and agree. to who it sells for. It's also just crazy that a house is going up for auction. If yeah, you think about it, no, it's very odd. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, I hope everyone has a great weekend. And if you haven't already, please remember to follow us on Instagram at Curated Chatter. Yes. Thank you. Bye.